Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Darren Lewis of the Daily Mirror and Alison Rudd of the Times. Here we go again. Jose Mourinho has let it be known that he's unhappy with Manchester United. Apparently, they don't reach his high standards. He won't finish his career there. He just happens to mention he feels Paris Saint-Germain are fantastic. All this after a bore draw at Liverpool. Same old, same old, Darren? Well, on the face of it, yeah. Um, because uh, definitely in terms of Mourinho manipulating the news agenda to suit him, definitely in terms of manip- uh, Mourinho appearing to, um, and we've been talking off air, we, we, we don't know what the timing of these comments exactly are, whether they were before or after the match. But if they came after, then I would suggest they are designed to deflect from the fact that his team are very uninspiring for all the money that he's spent. Um, I would be very surprised if he were genuine about this flirtation with PSG, given that in July he said he wanted to stay at United for the next 15 years. So I'm fascinated by them. It would be very interesting to see how it develops and if he gets the new contract he's clearly after out of it. So this is just negotiating in public through trusted sources, is it? It could be negotiating in public. There's 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 something very peculiar about the way Mourinho operates his his life, really. Um, he's always looking for the next dream. It's as though he's hungry to conquer the world. One club at a time isn't enough for him. While he was at previous jobs, he would bang on about how United would be the perfect place for him to express himself. They were a big club that needed him and he needed them and it would be a perfect fit. And it took an awful long time for the Man United hierarchy to agree that he might fit. And there's still a great number of Man United fans who aren't entirely sure that it is a very good fit. But what I think is really interesting is in in the week that we get stories which are sanctioned coming out of Old Trafford about the way that Mourinho has... um, He's perked up in himself this season. He's giving it 100% where he was he was not entirely happy last season. Some of it was for personal reasons. Um, he was adjusting as well. We're getting stories about how he's um, changed the mood at training. He's replaced old photographs of the, of the history of Man United with current photographs. So we've got current heroes here. We're doing it the Mourinho way. And on the pitch, up until the game at Anfield this season, they had looked more vibrant and success-orientated. At that very moment where most people would think, I am satisfied with the job I'm doing, it's as though he has this need to inject a new dose of adrenaline 
so that he gets people talking about what he could do next. I mean, does he just get bored very easily? Yeah. Well, we got bored on Saturday at Anfield, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> With that game, did, did that actually show a central weakness? Because, you know, we are now in, a, I think, a transitional phase where Manchester City are sweeping all before them in the manner of, say, a Barcelona or a Real mm. Madrid. Someone with Mourinho's, let's be kind and say, pragmatic philosophy, is he going to get left behind by that? Well, um, the interesting thing about City is that I have to confess I wasn't quite convinced during that initial stages of this current run because we saw it all before last season and the wheels came off after 10 games when people were saying they're going to go this season unbeaten. But there was a different dynamic to this team. I was at Stamford Bridge where they eviscerated the defending champions, Chelsea, and were hugely impressive in doing so. Uh, Guardiola is an idealist, but he imposes the will of his team home and away. Uh, United go to Liverpool and Martial doesn't go in behind the striker, he stays in his defensive position to ensure that they're not caught on the counter-attack. I, I think as far as Mourinho is concerned, it's drab and it's def terrible to watch. I don't share this idea that he's an enemy of football with his tactics because they've won four, by four goals, sorry, they've won scoring four goals five times this season. He does like to play football when he can, but City beat Liverpool 5-0 this season. United go there and they try and eke out a draw. They see it as a game they can't lose. I think in the final analysis, he's going to need to get wins where he's getting draws because City do not look like they will stop. Mm. We've you know, been in the last couple of weeks, we've been fating, quite rightly, Sir Bobby Charlton on his 80th birthday. Now, he's the embodiment of the attacking traditions and the trust in youth that United are meant to be all about. How does that square with Mourinho? I, well, I, first of all, I don't think Mourinho cares about tradition or what comes in the past. I, I refer back to him sweeping clean the old photographs. Mm. He sees that as a hindrance and probably completely irrelevant, actually, to modern football. And um, I think he'd probably feel quite proud of himself that he does it his way and doesn't buy into the traditions of any club, regardless of, of who they are, whether it's PSG next. And maybe he likes PSG because they don't have any tradition. You know, it's, mm. it's all brand new money. Maybe he thinks, oh, I've got a sparkling new project. Maybe I should go there. I'm tired of being told I'm not doing it in the Man United way. Um, and, and you know, in a way, I admire the fact that you can go to a club of the stature and history of Manchester United and impose your own, as you say, let's call it politely, pragmatism. Mm. But when you said that word, it made me think, actually, he's not even close to that because if you're a truly good, pragmatic coach and you go to Anfield and you have a plan, which he admitted afterwards was he was hoping Liverpool would become more attacking and leave space for the counter-attack, and they didn't. Well, the pragmatic manager works out how to adapt to that. They don't just stick to plan A throughout the whole match. Mm. It's weird because over the last season, last season you would say that was a great point and, and Mourinho is a guy who finds a way and if he doesn't find a way he ensures his side but doesn't But isn't, isn't, isn't that changed, uh, haven't City changed the rules? Yes, exactly. That's exactly the point I was about to make. I think City have taken it to another level precisely because Guardiola has no fear home or away about imposing the will of his team. They're so free scoring, they're so confident. You look at them 
few of their players take more than one, two touches on the ball. Uh, they can score from anywhere. Kevin De Bruyne is so influential, but if he doesn't play, David Silva will pull the strings from midfield. They have so many attacking players, so many goal scorers. I, I think they have taken it to another level. And for that reason, I think what we have been used to from Mourinho and what has been so impressive about the way he plays his game no longer is the standard. The standard has been set now by City. Mm. A City unstoppable, Ali? I would like to think so. I don't, I don't like the story being written this early in the season. No, no, yeah. <laughs> and I do feel that all it will take is for a couple of teams to think, to still believe their defence isn't quite right and to go at them and then work it out that they can then score at the right moment and then retreat and maybe some doubt about the whole City defence. I mean, they're, they're an entity City, aren't they? And when they click, they are unstoppable. But if you can just throw some mud at the wheels, maybe, Ali, it, might, it, might, it might... Because Stones now is looking a different player, faster, fitter, stronger, much more authoritative. 109 passes in that game. Incredible. The second goal, I, I, everyone talks, and if we look at even our, our colleagues' reports, they, they talk about the magnificent no-look pass Quite rightly, they talk about that magnificent no-look pass from De Bruyne that puts Sane in, who sets up Sterling for that goal. But the amount of passes that come from the breakdown, because it comes to the restart after the first goal, and then City win the ball back and they keep the ball and they work the option until they get that opportunity that De Bruyne sets up. It's a magnificent passage of play from City and I think it sums them up. I have been a cynic, but when you look at the fact that they don't have Mendy, when you look at the fact that uh, Aguero's not even starting matches, when you look at the fact that they could play with either De Bruyne or with Silva, when you look at the fact that Bernardo Silva can't get into the team, they've just got so many options and they were supposedly defensively weak. But if they can score five, six, seven goals and win games in that fashion, no wonder Guardiola doesn't mind that Stoke have scored twice because... Mm. They, and it isn't just the poor teams either, just to be clear. I mean, they went to Chelsea. I was, I thought Chelsea were going to do them at Stamford Bridge. OK, they lost Morata, but even so, Conte, who you would have found a way to win, he couldn't do it. City just looked too good right now. Is football really a simple game? You have £1.2 billion, you build a global empire of, say, five clubs, you get all the best players going, you've got a team of all talents, and you've got a coach who knows his way around a training ground. Easy, isn't it? When you put it like that. <laughs> but it's been a long time in the making for City, for putting all that together. And in a way, if City do win the title and score more goals than any other team have done in do so doing and bring lots of entertainment, because I think their performance against Stoke brought... That it was the gush match of the season mm. so far because mm. it was, it was so smiley face and and pure sometimes. It was it, well, wasn't it? It was it was, well. it was, mm. it was yeah. incredible. Um, I, the, I think the fact that last season was a problem for Pep, mm. and he, the fact that he's had to get to grips with the Premier League, and he's stuck by his principles and he's coming for criticism. Uh, he's a he was a tinkerer last season. And I, for one, thought, what, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you publicly criticising Aguero when he's 
you know, mm. one of the, the top stars of the Premier League, and we feel very lucky to have him. Why have you come in and started saying he's not good enough? And I thought, what's, you know, what's going on here? If all that, all that stick that he took and the meddling he made and the deciding, uh, you know, chicken out one keeper, bringing another one, but not changing his approach to goalkeeping, if all that messing about brings the pure, beautiful football, then it isn't... It isn't quite a simple game. It, it has taken quite a lot of willpower and insight and pig-headedness as well and stubbornness and belief in that he has the right approach to the game and he can conquer the Premier League. Because I found him slightly arrogant last season. Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, oh, ta who wants tackling? No one cares about tackling. Well, the mm. Premier League is built on mm. tackling and physicality. I, I, I thought it's going to go one way or the other, and it seems to, have been go it seems to be going the right way for him so far. To be clear, I, I don't think they're actually unstoppable. I mean, I, I do think that... I don't think the wheels will come off as spectacularly as it did last season. But uh, you, you look at Spurs, and their game against Real Madrid will be very instructive because the Real Madrid have so many attacking talents. The defending champions through the last four seasons have won it. Let's see how they cope defensively. But Spurs did have the best defensive record in the Premier League last season. They've strengthened it with Davinson Sanchez, who will only get better. Uh, and they've got that protection in front of the back four as well. Um, Chelsea will surely, in the rematch, be stronger and much more savvy in terms of how to attack that game. And Mourinho as well, I can't see that. <laughs> Mourinho will just be Mourinho when they play against City mm. and he'll just park the bus. And uh, The hype for that game is going to be ridiculous. Oh, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But, you know, but what it does do, it, it, and, and the point has been made, for all the, the, the praise we give City and Guardiola, he has spent an absolute fortune. So that's what we should be getting from mm. his City team. Um, He's finally got a goalkeeper as well, hasn't he? Yeah, no. I mean, well, he had to, didn't he? It, was, it became a bit comical last season. But, yeah, you know, and, and, and we're not used to that quite yet, actually, mm. seeing keepers come off... Mm. ..out their area. Yeah. We're not in a... We're used to got goalkeepers coming out the area because they're having a moment of madness or they're... Defenders let them down and they've got to make a quick decision. But this is philosophy. This is, mm. yes, I can play sweeper. Mm. Why not? Mm. My name's not Joe Hart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with, with uh, you know, City have got Napoli in the Champions League. Uh, United, uh, Benfica. Uh, Spurs, as you say, the, the match of the, the week is, is in the Bernabeu on Tuesday night. Out of those three clubs, who will have the best run in the Champions League, do you think? Well, you, I think United, because I think uh, Mourinho will find a way to win and he won't care about the aesthetic quality. He will just care about the points and the progress. Whereas, as we know, Guardiola cares very much about how they look winning. And it also has to be pointed out, we assume it's going to be a given that they'll beat Napoli. Napoli are on a tremendous run Eight wins from eight games. The win of one nil win over Roma at the weekend, the first time in the league they haven't scored three goals this season. Uh, and they are the city of Syria. <clears throat> they are the city of Syria. Their best run since 1990, when obviously Maradona inspired them to the title. And I think, as far as they are concerned, they're top of the league at the moment. They're going great guns. 
I don't think it's going to be an easy game for City at all. And if I think if City do win this, then they will absolutely deserve the points that they go on to achieve. But I think in terms of literally, I don't want to say boring your way, but boring your way to, to, to victory, I think United might well be the ones. Listen, I say this also because Mourinho's won the Champions League twice. He knows how to win this competition. You know, it's almost like a jockey hunting around in the Grand National. You know, you know the course, you know the distance. Um, you know how to get through the early stages before plotting your way uh, to, to... Obviously, Guardiola's won as well, but I, I think as far as Mourinho is concerned, yeah, he'll, he'll just... I think it could well be him. Because it's an interesting landscape at the moment, isn't it? If you look at it, Bayern Munich, poor season. Heinke is now back in charge for the umpteenth time. Barcelona, they're still in that sort of will-they-won't-they phase. Real Madrid haven't started brilliantly. Um, there is a chance for a British club to make a mark this season, isn't there? Yeah, no, absolutely. What I would just say is I, I think the City-Napoli game is actually the game of the, the week because it's the most intriguing mm. how two teams who play quick one touch very very and they're in a complete in the zone confident football what, does that implode and become a nothing game or does mm. it become the game of the century mm. i'm intrigued about that one um i think i think chelsea will do better than united mainly because this is the only way conte can come out of the season with any credibility i think he's he's admitting he can't mm. juggle his resources in four competitions. So when have we seen Chelsea play absolutely brilliantly? It's been in the Champions League. So to me, he's clearly targeting the Champions League is where he's going to do well. First English club to win at Atletico. You were at that let, game, weren't you? He's not going to let that yeah. evaporate and mean nothing, <coughs> I think. So I think they will do yeah. very well. Because I thought that was a really significant performance. I think that was the best performance by an English club for years. They were organised, they were efficient. Uh, <clears throat> Excuse me, it wasn't just about the goals, it was about the appetite, it was about the domination of a very accomplished side. Um, it was about the way uh, Murata combined with Hazard to cause problems for the Atletico defence. Um, and even when they conceded, they showed a will to keep going, to chase, you know, to. to, to that, that we all left. That, that that stadium convinced we'd seen one of the great performances. And I think as far as Chelsea are concerned, I totally agree with Alison. I think it may well be that Conte has decided this is a competition I'm going to stick all my eggs into that particular basket because I think as far as the, champ, uh, the Premier League is concerned, I don't have the resources at this stage. It might well be different in January if they go into the market, but at this stage, I don't have the resources to compete with City. But to answer your original question, Mike, I do think this is a... A season ripe for Premier League progress mm. in the Champions League. Yeah. Mm. You, you, there's no sense that Chelsea might unravel quite quickly because Conte's obviously unhappy about the, the club strategy. It, well, they might. They might well. Un, they well. I, I was at the game at Selhurst Park on Saturday, and they did unravel there. When they ravelled from the first minute, mm. I just don't. I, I'm tired of hearing him. It's just poor man management. I'm tired of him getting his excuses in first. After that wonderful win that you witnessed against Atletico, don't you come out and say, this team is now 
got my imprint on it. We are gelling. We are a force to be reckoned with. I'm so proud of the players. Mm. It's given us the energy and an impetus to have a great season. But see, oh, and by the way, we won the Premier League last season. Yeah, instead yeah. he's saying, oh, we're very tired. We don't have a very big squad. It's a bit of a struggle. I'm going to have to play young players. Not sure how long it's going to take them to integrate. It's negative, negative, negative. And his team then goes out and plays very contained, economical, slow, sluggish football. See, I think you're both being unfair on, on Conte and Chelsea for, because... After the match, I don't think he was negative. What he said was, we have to be humble. He said that we have to keep our feet on the ground. It's a massive win, but we can't get carried away with what we've just done. We've got a lot to do in the Premier League. We've got a lot to do in the Champions League. And a massive match that particular weekend. And he questioned straight after the match why they are playing so soon, given that they could have played on the Sunday, they could have played on the Monday night, why they were playing so soon. They had only one day to prepare. Uh, having They flew back at 4am, they arrived in London at 4am in the morning. And you could see his point as far as that was mm. concerned. Valid to make it once, but he makes it pre and post every game. He possibly does. To be fair, most managers make that point, though. They, they, don't, they don't feel that the Premier League helps them in Europe. And, and I think they're absolutely right to do so. I mean, the Premier League cares about the spectacle, the timing to get their peak audiences. They don't care about the, the effect it has on players, on clubs, the flight times, the, the proximity uh, between... You know, you think about what that Atletico game took out of the players physically and emotionally to achieve that milestone of a victory, then to go into another tough game that following weekend. It must have been tough on them. You look at the Palace game... Absolutely brilliant win for Palace, no doubt. But they were without their most influential midfielder in Golo Kante, and they were without uh, Alvaro Morata. You know, replacing at this stage Bashwai with with Morata is like replacing Godzilla with Barney. Because I think as far <laughs> as Bashwai's movement is concerned, it was highlighted on the TV at the weekend. It just isn't where Morata's is at the moment. Mm. He doesn't make up uh, his, his midfielder's minds for him. He doesn't work defend hard enough and that is why Conte is so frustrated and, and, and that's a big part of why Palace were able to sneak the win. G give us, Ali, if you may, um, an insight into the sense of shock there was at Selhurst Park. I mean, Darren and I were at Wembley and everyone was going, you what? <laughs> you serious? <laughs> right. you know, when you're there and you know, Selhurst Park is quite atmospheric at, at, the, at the best of times, that must have been a terrific occasion. No, it was a privilege to be there, it genuinely was. But it wasn't a sense of shock, actually, because from the first minute, actually before the game kicked off, um, the atmosphere was very positive. Yeah. No sense at all this was a team with embarrassing statistics behind it. No goals, no... You know, history being made, the most dreadful team ever. There was no sense of that at all. Uh, I looked at Roy Hodgson's face in the uh, dugout and he looked uh, smug, pushing it. He looked very happy. Yeah. I thought, oh, he's got a plan. <laughs> and then I saw, oh, they're playing 4-4-2. I wouldn't have guessed that from the team sheet. Uh, they're going to, they're going to, they're just, there's pace in this team. And what, what Roy did was he had Andros Townsend and Wilfred Sahar and he told them to do what they wanted. Mm. They were playing nominally as two strikers, but they could go out wide, mm. they could come in, change lanes, they could do what they wanted. Chelsea's back three, from the very beginning, looked shell-shocked by this. Mm. It was like, whoa. So it wasn't a shock because you could, the, the crowd noted it. If you're watching it, you could see they're pulling them apart. Mm. And at no point did you think Chelsea are going to come back and impose their Premier League mm. superiority on this game. It, it, it's what makes... Is it, it, if anyone says to me, oh, I don't know about the Premier League, mm. 
it's a bit naff, isn't it? I'd say, watch that, watch that. That's a team, supposedly, no chance of survival. They've got their only striker injured. Brand new manager. They've had a U-turn early in the season, so higher up, they're a mess. And yet they pull off one of the master strokes and very entertaining matches of the Would season. Would you say that was the performance of the season so far or the City performance, either against Stoke or Chelsea? Oh, well, if you bring, put, as soon as you put money into the equation, the, the Crystal Palace performance was better. Yeah. Pound for pound. Yeah, mm. yeah definitely. Mm. Do you think, you know, Roma will look at that and they'll, they'll act upon it? You're going to be at Stamford Bridge. Do you expect <coughs> to see Chelsea under pressure there? I do on the one hand. On the other, Roma have their own problems. Manolas, he's injured, uh, limped out of the match at the weekend. They've also got a number of other influential players injured as well. So it will be interesting to see the kind of side that they're able to put out against Chelsea. I think as far as Chelsea are concerned, he will again field uh, Fabregas alongside uh, Bakayoko in midfield. And Morata, given to understand, should be fit for the own match. Mm. I think he missed the Palace game as a precaution. So they would be something like close to what they are normally against Roma, whereas Roma, defensively, they are two or three players short. I think in midfield, they're players short. I think attacking-wise, Stefan Al-Shirawi might not be available for the match either. They've got a number of players that they're going to be aware. I would be surprised if Chelsea were not uh, did not go on to win this. If they win this, they're in a commanding position in a group, of course, and he will see this as three vital points and he won't want to go to Italy needing to get the win. With Kante, you actually realise how good he is when he's not there. Yeah, absolutely. And um, what I thought was a nice sort of cameo, in a way, was Eden Hazard is is a player that gets indulged. I think he's yeah. such a he's a brilliant talent on his day. So he has a free role in that team. Um, didn't work on Saturday against Palace. Um, he he kept bumping into William. He was like. Poor William, he didn't know, am I supposed to get out of your way? <laughs> Dodgings, what, 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 yeah, it was, it was very like that. But you notice that sort of thing less when Kante's playing. Yeah. Because he, if there's a gap, he'll cover it. Mm. If a player dips in energy levels, he covers that as well. And I think probably gives someone like Hazard that sense of, just an extra sense of entitlement knowing he's there. And without that, without that covering presence, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> without that covering presence, then you start to notice who isn't pulling their weight and where the gaps in the on the pitch are, because mm. he is two players. Mm. Not mentioned Liverpool yet. Let's let's um, address that problem. Um, how much they need a big performance in uh, in Maribor? Well, still only one win in their last eight, and. Uh, OK, they were the team trying to win at the weekend, but and, and it was only their third clean sheet in their last 13 matches, which is saying something uh, in terms of their ambitions. They need a big win, or they need a win. Uh, and they need to kind of reassert their authority again in a match. They've got wonderful attacking talent, as we all know, but they've just not been able to make it work for one reason or another. They've been unfortunate in terms of losing players to injury. Uh, they've been remiss in terms of not addressing the defensive issues that they've had. So they do need a big win this week. Uh, and I think they should get it against Maribor. Mm. Is it right that questions should be asked about Jurgen Klopp? Well, of course. I mean, we'd be doing our jobs if we weren't. And anyway, we're only reflecting what the sort of chitter-chatter is on the terraces. Mm. Um, he's still beloved and people 
still hugely enjoy his chats and his press conferences and his general demeanour on, on the media. Uh, and he seems a, a, a totally honest, um, into his job, dedicated to it, chap with a great CV. But there is this glaring little hole about how he treats defending. Mm. And mm. when it comes to... You become to write the history of Klopp's time at Anfield, there will be a big chapter on... What on earth's going on when you think Virgil van Dijk's the only defender worth pursuing? And if you don't get him, then you don't bother. Mm -hmm. um, it, if, if you look at the top eight teams in the Premier League and you could pick any defender or goalkeeper from them, would anyone try and poach from Liverpool? No, they wouldn't. So it is a team built on pressing the high press, high energy, and that is your form of defence. But this season, the, st the stats show that Klopp has calmed down a bit on that front. He realises it's quite a slog in the Premier League. He's got Champions League football as well. So Liverpool are not pressing as uh, hard as they were, which is putting their defence under more pressure. And that would be fine if he'd bought some really ace defenders. But they're just passable. They're not, they're not good. They're mm. not inspiring. And that, 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 that lends the whole team a sense of fragility which I think even a team like Maribor, who are quite defensive, they're unbeaten, they'll probably think... They'll go into that game instead of thinking, oh, it's mighty Liverpool, they'll be thinking, well, if we're sensible defensively, we might get a sniff. And you're not supposed to think that mm. of, a, of a leading Premier League club in and that level of European competition. In a, in a similar vein, Darren, as I said, we both saw Spurs on Saturday. Yeah. Spurs will be looking this Sunday to really damage Liverpool, won't they? Right, yeah, they will do. And I think they have the attacking uh, potential to do that. Ericsson's goal at the weekend was his third uh, so far this season. He scored four in his last five. We all know Harry Kane scores goals for fun. It's quite interesting, the, the front page of Marca in Spain, ahead of the Real Madrid match, has uh, Harry the Fort. Everything he touches uh, finds the back of the net. A huge picture of Harry Kane. I think that'll be getting framed and up in his house. Um, <laughs> but um, they, they and, and, and it says um, England's the most potent striker, threatens the Bernabeu. They know about his score, goal scoring potential, his ability. Um, and I just. So those papers are very <clears throat> close to the club. And that's just part of the courtship ritual, isn't it? It is. It will... Basically, it'll be both. It'll be praising Kane to the heights and also giving a, a sly little mention to Deli Ali as well. Yes, indeed. And both those players, I think... I mean, Ali has yet to catch fire this season. I think he scored 23 goals last season. Mm. Um, a bit and... flixy and tricksy on Saturday, I thought. He was, but I think Ali can't quite get his rhythm going. I think he's sulking a little bit. He's very disappointed. Listen, he's been suspended for England. He's missed so far the, the group stage matches in the Champions yeah, missing, League. Missing on Saturday. He's uh, missing. Tuesday. This would have been the big game of his career in the Bernabeu. You know, he's going to see all of his teammates going there, uh, having fun, and he's not going to be a part of it. And I think that's going to that obviously will have played on his mind. Um, once this ban is over and he can get involved again and he can get a run of games together, then I think we'll start to see the real Dali Ali. I think it'd be a wonderful game because the two teams uh, committed to attack, but Spurs have the better balance. All those issues in defence have been addressed by Pochettino, but not by uh, Klopp, as Alison rightly says. And I think it's, it'll be a magnificent game, but I think Spurs will take advantage of Liverpool's defensive frailty. And also, there's, there's been an awful lot said and written about uh, Dali Ali and Harry Kane. Yes which has 
deflected from how important Ericsson is, yeah. actually. I think he's more important than Deli Alley to, to the way the Spurs tick over. Because I was in um, Nicosia for the uh, Spurs Apoel game and they didn't have Ericsson and it, they didn't really function very well. They were they were mm. lethal because Applewell were great defensively, but I they was need told, him. They I was told Barcelona him. were more interested in Ericsson than they really were in Coutinho. Well, I know, that makes sense. I know, I know that um, Spurs are, are already aware of uh, Barcelona's interest in Ericsson. And, and just to, to... And obviously they say they're not selling, regardless of what happens. And I think with Ericsson, it's quite interesting because a couple of seasons ago, his international manager criticised him publicly, said that he needed to impose himself more on games. Pochettino has criticised him before and it said, look, you, he needs to impose himself more on games. He needs to score more goals. He needs to be the match winner more often. He needs to be the leader more often. He's bought into all of that. He has improved as a footballer. He has made himself the match winner on more occasions. And I, I agree with you. I, th I, I don't quite agree he's, he's more influential than Ali because I think Ali at his best... He's a tour de force, I think. In my, I think he's such he's more a... more eye-catching, but I think quietly <laughs> Ericsson is the TikTok. I, I think Ali's got such a wonderful understanding with Kane when both of them are on fire um, that I don't think Kane quite has with Ericsson. I do agree that Ericsson's hugely influential, but I think Ali has the understanding with Kane that they could take to England if they have a manager, and Pochettino has kind of made eyes at the international job. Yeah. Um, would be wonderfully productive for the three lines. I couldn't believe that when he said he was going to man he wanted to manage him. <laughs> Why would you want to do that? Well, he'd do a better job of it than, 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 than the people who have had the job so far. But to go back to, to Deli Alley, um, Ali, um, do we forget that he's only 21? It's natural that there will be a plateau at some stage. His personal and professional lives are changing. You know, talk about... Uh, you, um, he's going to get a new super agent. Mendes is going to be his new super agent. That means that he won't stay at Tottenham for very much longer, if we're being realistic. So this stuff must be going around in his head. Now, does that influence him on the pitch? Um, well, it's bound to, to some degree. I mean, he's very, very lucky, and he's got an incredibly forgiving, understanding manager in Pochettino who will back him to the hilt regardless of what sort of performance or what sort of off-the-field stuff's going on. Uh, constantly reminding us, you're right, Mike, of how young he is. He was he, he was playing from MK Dons not that long ago. Mm. Two years that ago. Is, that is a traje trajectory. To, to, to be playing there and then two years later thinking, oh, I'm not at the Bernabeu because I got suspended is, mm. you know, yeah, it's amazing. So. It's amazing. And... I saw him at 16 playing at Northampton Town when they were trying to volley him over the stand. <laughs> and he was laughing at them. So you, you knew then he was pretty yeah. special. Oh, he's special. He's special. But it's, you know, the, the great things in the world, whether you're talking about players or, or food or politics or whatever, things take time to mature and learn and grow. And maybe he's taken on too much too soon to expect him to reproduce great form week in, week out. Or is it us that expect too much too soon, given that he's so young? And, yes, he has had a couple of great seasons, but maybe we're expecting him to do it all again, and he's so young, and it will take time for him to reproduce. I think he has to be allowed to have blips, yeah. to be honest, and mm. to not ever... I don't think we are writing him off, though, but he should no, be. He's got every player of that age should be allowed yeah. blips. We've all sat through too many sugar-coated interviews with corporately approved 
platitudes. Wasn't it great to see Troy Deeney say it as it is <laughs> on Saturday night? Absolutely, absolutely. He, he summed up Arsenal in a single word, didn't he? Probably better than all of us could have in our match reports because I think um, there is a perception that maybe it's the, the media... Uh, you get the honours in your in intro, could you? <laughs> no, not quite. Family <laughs> newspaper in order. Um, but I think as far as Deeney was concerned... He didn't just sum up the trouble with Arsenal. He summed up the attitude that most other opposition strikers would, should or could now have going into games against them. Um, they're weak, they're fragile, uh, their heads are elsewhere in the cases of you know, the, the influential players with their contracts running down. Um, and I don't see how... Wenger, bless him, you know, everyone turns on him and says he's a problem. But I think you have to look at some of those players. And that winning goal, where cleverly volleys in, unchallenged, with lots of other players ball-watching, including Xhaka, expensively acquired Xhaka, is the trouble with Arsenal. Um, and fans will get upset and fans will have a go at media and whatever else and say, but they now listen to Dini and they know what the trouble with their side is. It isn't even that deep. I think it's just quite scathing and quite damning that their players do not have the courage that other title contenders have. And I think at this stage, we can safely say Arsenal will not win the title. Mm. The manager always takes the blame. Is that blame rightly apportioned at Everton, where Ronald Koeman's getting pelters, isn't he? Yes, and yes, it is, because he was... He went to Everton because he wanted to spend money. That's what he wanted. Yeah. So he's given um, more money than any previous Everton manager has had, and he's allowed to spend it where he likes, and he buys players that do not fit together. What on earth are you doing? Why he has persisted with Wayne Rooney and Gilfie Sigurdsson in the same team, they, it's, it's... Actually, it's upsetting to watch because you've got two players um, who have been... They're great players, but they are less than the sum of their parts. They are, they are making each other worse. They are getting in each other's way. Why, as a manager, you cannot see that is failing and sort it out? It's, it's incredible. Koeman has a reputation for being really tough. I've seen him... When, specifically at um, Southampton, where he's come out after they've had, they'd had like a poor first half, but a pretty decent second half, and he's still simmering from the first half, and he 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 would let you know, you know, in the huddle, he'd let you know, I I sh I, I didn't have shout at them, I told them they were rubbish at mm. half time, and I I tried to picture what that might be like mm. to be in the dressing room with um, Ronald Koeman, the, the mighty Ronald Koeman. He was an amazing player, absolutely stunning player, and he has that aura. So to get shouted at by him at half time. And then you see the evidence and they, they turned it around on the pitch. So he has the tools as a manager to go into a club like Everton and really turn it around. He clearly doesn't have uh, the gift in the transfer market because it's just it's a puzzle that does not fit. There's no pace in the team. It's badly put together. But what, what staggers me is his inability to work out how to make those creative players work together. And I would just say if he has to pick one, he should pick Sigurdsson who's got his team in the smallest team ever to get to the World Cup finals? It's Gylfi Sigurdsson with Iceland. Wayne Rooney doesn't play for his country anymore. He's past it. Yes, he was an, an, an Everton icon in his youth, but he's, he's dragging the team down. Mm. But you build the team round someone like Gylfi Sigurdsson, who's very like Ericsson at Spurs. And if you can see at Spurs how one player can 
be the clock in the middle of it, the, 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 the mechanism that makes it work. Sigurdsson's a very, very similar player. Why, why on earth spend 45 million on him if you're not going to say, we work around you? Because if you watch with Sigurdsson closely, that's exactly what he does. He makes the players around him better, but he can't do it with Wayne Rooney, who thinks for some reason he's six years younger and can do the same job and he can't. Mm. Well, that's a very good answer to what was going to be our first listeners and viewers question from Rob, where he, he asked, is it time for Coman to be bold and drop Rooney and build around Sigurdsson? So Does I he think, really? Yeah. Oh, well done. <laughs> <laughs> don't throw this together, you know. A uh, couple of questions on Man City, uh, Darren. Uh, Anthony Campbell, can City go the season unbeaten? <laughs> we asked this question uh, last season. I think it's way too soon to be saying that. They're wonderful to watch. Uh, Going forward, they're, they're magnificent. You, you have to say that. But I still do think they've got some other big teams to play. I cannot see them uh, not being given tough games by United and by Spurs as well. Uh, so, no, I, I'll say I, it would be the idea would be nice. But I, and, and they are obviously what their odds on to win the title. But to go to season unbeaten, it's such a hard thing to do. I'd say no. Mm. You know, if you looked at that game on Saturday, eight out of the ten outfield players either scored a goal or assisted in a goal. Which brings me on to uh, Neil's question. And you touched on it earlier on. Do you expect City to break Chelsea's 103 Premier League goal record this season? It's looking like it's going to happen. It is looking like it. I mean, already it feels slightly surreal season when mm. you see the score lines coming in every week. Um, it's, not a new, it's not unusual for a team when they're uh, in the zone to score seven. Mm. But in seasons gone by, that's been noteworthy. And now it's like, you feel a bit disappointed if it, there isn't at least one match that's gone to five, six, seven. Last team to score 29 goals after eight games was Everton in 1894. <laughs> 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 so they're on course. Uh, greater minds than I have worked out they're on course to score around about 138 goals this season. So, yeah, I think that figure will get smashed up easily. This yeah. Um, another question, actually, probably best to you, Ali, uh, from Richard Bell. Can Roy Hodgson keep Crystal Palace up? You've got to say yes now. You really have. I... I he's... He said on um, Saturday he's ahead of schedule... He, he, he took over Fulham and they were in a mess and it went to the last game of the season. And he did it because partly because he's very calm, and he says he's um, ahead of schedule with Palace. It's going better than it went with Fulham, so you, you sort of extrapolate and you think, well, yes, actually, it is only October. If he can keep that sense of calm perspective, good, you know, imagine what it does to the squad to know they can beat the reigning champions. I would say. I would say put money on it. Yeah. Delighted for Hodgson yeah. because there was a lot of ages nonsense about the fact that he was past it, couldn't do it. Um, all the dad's army stuff. All the dad's army stuff. Yeah. Disrespectful stuff in some cases. Uh, and all the, though it didn't go well for him with England, he's proved at club level, he's organised, he's efficient and he has a game plan and the players are bought into it. And um, it's fantastic to see him do it. It was always way too early to start talking about Palaces being down. If they get Benteke back and they keep playing the way they did at the weekend, they'll stay up easily. Mm. Owen asked us, uh, given the VAR decision uh, late on in the Juve-Lazio match of the weekend, is it time for it to be introduced into the Premier League? I, it would be fun. 
I think it'd be a great thing to take down the pub. I, I'm deeply... Well, still with the same arguments, weren't they? Well, yes, but I, I'm deeply conservative. I, I don't know. I prefer... I prefer the... So I've done a referee coaching. I've done my badges and everything. And I think there's something about not having technological backup. I think... I suspect that if you know you can go to it, it will just blunt those edges because you see things, because you're there and you know the pace of the game, you know how slippery the turf is. You, you can hear and feel the way a game is that you can't pick up on a monitor. And sometimes some decisions, I think, might look fairly clear-cut on a screen. But if the referee was able to find the words and be honest about why he gave a decision, it would make sense. And while in the short term it sounds great to be able to go to a, a camera angle that the eyes don't have, I think long term you might kill off that instinct that a really good referee has. And therefore you stop getting really good referees. And then in 20 years time you, can't, you cannot referee a game by monitor, you still have to have someone in the middle. I think the calibre of those people will be less good. Mm. You agree with that, Darren? I do. I do. I think um, I'd, I'm with Ali. I think that yeah, I'd much rather technology stay out of football. I know we're in a sort of fast food culture now where everyone wants everything now and they want the uh, simple way of doing things. But I think um, we've seen in many cases where even technology hasn't been an exact science. It hasn't managed to clear up some of the issues and debates and controversies that we've seen. So, no, I'm not an advocate of that. And as Ali says, where's the incentive for young referees coming through if they know that at the end of the day they'll just go to a video referee, some bloke sitting in a box somewhere with a television monitor in front of him? Mm. I'd far rather go with the more organic way of doing things. Mm. As a final point, and we're still looking at the future here, um, Ollie Kay did a really good piece in your paper about the Germans coveting this generation, the sort of under-18 generation of English players. Is it about time that those players were given a viable career path in English football? They will get that path by the virtue of the fact they are going abroad. If you think about it, what's blocking young English talent? It's the fact that abroad, a variety of sources, clubs seem to be able to buy in something that's uh, ready-made, ready to get into, into the hurly-burly of competitive football. Um, they're more rounded. They um, have the basic skills of, of pace and ball control, but they're their game interpretation is good and their um, skills are excellent. If, and they're not, the fact that they've come from abroad just, just makes them a bit sturdier psychologically, I think, as well. Their breadth of knowledge of the game, the, the variety they've had is good. And the pampering, if you like, that you might get if you've gone through the academy system doesn't give you all that, that skill set. I think if, if players are... Uh, willing to go abroad to learn, to mix up the variety of the input in their journey to become a player, then clubs will think, golly, you know, they had this when they were in England, then they went to France or Germany to get that, and then they were prepared to go to whatever league, League Two, to make sure they were physically fit. 
and sturdy for the game. And now they're 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 a package, and we can give them we can give them a place in our first team. See, I slightly disagree. I think we've got the toughest league in the Premier League. Uh, so I think, in theory, it, it's easy to say clubs should be giving young players a chance. But if those players are not ready, you look at Andreas Christensen at Chelsea, he quite simply wasn't ready to play regular first-team football. So he had to go to Germany. He had to play for a couple of years there before he could come back. That's and a good now thing, he's though, a regular. isn't it? Yeah, that is a good thing. But I think as far as some of the other young players are concerned, why would do they need to go abroad? Why can they not go into the lower leagues, for example? Why can't they go to well, the championship? Let's look at Tammy Abraham. Now, actually, probably he should have been kept on at Chelsea yeah. to, to be part of that striker's rotation. Yeah. I think it's 60 games. He scored 31 goals in either the championship or the Premier League, four for Swansea this year. No, it's, he's a good point. And I think everyone listening to this, they'll have seen Match of the Day, or they may not have done, but Match of the Day highlighted the difference in movement between Batshuayi, who couldn't make up the, 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 the person in, in, in possession of the ball, couldn't make up the mindset with his movement, couldn't work his defender. His movement contrasted so sharply with Tammy Abrahams, who was on it right from the first muscle, pressed defenders, pressed the goalkeeper, moved into space when he saw others in possession. And I think when you look at somebody like him, you do think to yourself, yeah, why couldn't he have got regular first-team football at Chelsea? But I don't think he necessarily needs to go abroad. His time at Swansea is helping him as a footballer. And I think that lots of other young players could follow his lead rather than go... Jadon Sancho went to, to Dortmund. He didn't go straight into that side straight away. Mm. I think there are... Uh, uh, cases or clubs here that are a good fit for young players if they say to themselves, I don't necessarily need the glamour, I just need the football. The talent's there. It's a question of opportunity. We won't know what we've got until it's gone. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.